Oh, snap! The world is finally waking up to the crap that's baked into and sprayed on kibble dog food. No longer can commercial pet food manufacturers fool us with pretty pictures and false promises. This is the raw dog food truth. The view and opinions expressed on this podcast are not intended to replace medical advice. Before starting any raw diet, do research, ask lots of questions, and consult your vet. Hey, everybody. Good morning. I'm Dee Dee Mercer Moffat, the CEO of Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business and we're friends. We don't let friends feed kibble. At least that's what we advise, Dr. Jay We say, pull the kibble out of the diet. And I want to say this, bad treats. Okay, Dr. Jay I got to set up this situation. Okay, so we got a new feeder and... Uh, she calls me, she, well, she sends an email and she says, now, I, you know, our dog has had digestive issues, for, you know, forever. And we've taken him to the vet and it's got, the, this pet's got liquid stools and they still got liquid stools on the raw diet. And I'm like, well, that, that doesn't really make sense to me, right? So for you and I, we're like, pets should not have these digestive issues on real food, especially when you have a good bone content, good organ, everything else. So I said, well, Tell me, you know, what else you guys are feeding? Well, it comes to light that they're getting begging strips. Oh, gosh. Not only that, but an organic treat that has flour, rice, flavorings, brown sugar. And I said, listen, our entire health team would say this. Pull everything, and I mean everything, out of the diet but the raw mm-hmm. food, and let's get that dog stabilized. Bagging right. strips? Are you kidding me? The highly—it's like plastic. Have you seen it? Plastic, plastic bacon. Yeah, that's like that's like one of the one of the worst things, and all of those, um, you know, preservatives and and chemicals. And I just recently listen to a um, little webinar on the microbiome and in, in, in pets specifically. And this is Dr. Richard uh, Palmquist, who's a veterinarian in uh, California. And, and he's awesome. I've seen him lecture before. I have a lot of respect for him and his work. And he's been doing a lot of research on the microbiome. And he said, every Every one of these little chemicals, you read these ingredients, you don't know what they are. Every single one can have an effect on the microbiome. And it's different in every individual. The microbiome's very specific for each individual. So, and something else that I hear is like, well, my other dog doesn't have the same problem, you know, eating my other dog can eat begging strips. Like <laughs> right. today, today right. they can. Yeah. Until 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 they can't you know or but it doesn't mean you know it doesn't mean that it's not disruptive and it's not harmful and like you said at some point we're probably going to see some issues but there's different tolerance levels so every little thing uh, you know on that label and and especially the things that you don't know what they are and you can't pronounce don't feed it to your pet because it's having a potential deleterious effect and and oh but they like them so much right i'm sure you hear that too but they just love them this is like our little you know bonding time or whatever like 
get them something healthy. Just get them a jerky treat or some dried lung or liver or something. You know, is it worth, you know, risking your pet's health because you get the satisfaction out of giving them this, you know, crappy treat? It just, it, it really baffles me sometimes what, what the thought process is. Well, if it says organic, guys, it doesn't mean it's good. So listen to what's in this treat, Dr. Jasek. Uh, organic beef, chicken, turkey, but then we go downhill. We go into organic cane sugar. I don't care if it's organic. Uh, organic <laughs> right. Organic ground, ground brown rice. No, no, no. Organic flaxseed, salt, uh, cultured skim milk, and hickory smoke flavor. Now, come on, guys. We don't put that in our dog's body. I don't care if it says, this is where people get a little uh, misinformed. They get a little, their minds get a little jacked with when it says it's all organic or it's sort of like the, the gluten thing, Dr. Jasek. I know you're gluten-free, but some people mm -hmm. think that means carb-free. It doesn't mean carb-free. It means gluten-free. Doesn't mean fat-free. It means gluten-free. Right, right. And, you know, I have learned in, you know, studying the whole gluten-free industry that something and it's actually quite high something like about 20 percent of products that are labeled gluten-free actually still have gluten in them it's they don't guarantee it's it's not it's not a like 100 percent guarantee because all these other grains there can be so much cross-contamination so if they're making that product in a facility that also makes things that contain gluten there can always be uh, cross-contamination and so even that isn't isn't true and yeah and, and and the organic labeling like that's not necessarily 100 percent either there's a lot of loopholes in in that industry so you, you do you have to be really careful and don't just believe the the label claims and don't feed carbs I and mean, that's what i preach all the time you know don't feed you know don't feed the carbs it all turns to sugar that brown rice is broken down into the same sugar as that you know, cane sugar that's in there. And why are we feeding them sugar anyway? They don't need it. They don't need sweetened treats. <laughs> why are they even putting sugar in them? You know? I think, I really do think that what you said um, is relevant here, that pet parents get great satisfaction out of giving their dogs treats, right? Out yeah. of seeing their dogs wag their tail and they're like, okay, I'm gonna give you this and they're gonna love me forever. They're gonna love you forever anyway because that's who dogs are, okay? So they're not gonna not love you if you don't give them that sugary begging strip or that plastic begging strip or that sugary organic treat. Uh, but they are gonna love you when they get some nice poops because, I mean, come on, watery poops. You can't be having watery poops probably on real food. If you are, then we can look further, but we can't tell until you get all of that other junk out of their system. Right. Now, and even a, and even a little bit matters. So, you know, even if you're only giving them like, you know, part of one a day or something to some individuals that are super sensitive, even a little bit of carbohydrate will cause the problem. They have to come off of it completely. And like we say, get a new, get a new baseline and then we can go on from there. Yeah. And this poor pet parent has been to the vet and the vets can't figure it out. I'm like, you can't figure it out. We look at it and go, it's pretty simple. You know, we start with the food. All right, so here's a great uh, email that we got, Dr. Jasek. She said, um, this is Sasha's mom. She says, the GSD who got into ibuprofen. 
She said, thank you so much for your advice and recommendations. I've taken her off the homemade stuff, which had rice and potatoes in it. I did some research on the food and at least 30% of the food was unnecessary carbs. So she's officially on raw since July. And since we've made the switch, I've noticed a difference. Every time she ate the homemade diet, she would always look for something to do. Since the switch, she seems to be much more chill after she eats. Um, her, uh, yep, and her boyfriend's black lab is also on raw. She said their coats and skin has never been better. Uh, it's super soft. Their dental health has dramatically increased. And the black lab it used to have terrible breath, but that's in the past now. She said, I guess this isn't really a question, but more of me just saying thank you. I will continue to listen to your podcast and educate myself. Thank you again. You guys are the best. Thank you. Oh, that's nice. You know, I have a, a, a comment on something she said about, you know, the dog feels calmer afterwards. I get this question a lot, and I don't know if you do, Dee, but that, you know, people say, oh, my dog's always hungry, always hungry. They have just like this food urgency. And I, I again, I go right back to thinking about carbs and sugar spikes and what else are we feeding that's causing that blood sugar to go up and down. Cause on a true, you know, raw diet where all we're feeding is, you know, the animal products and the raw blends, the blood sugar should be pretty stable and dogs love to eat. You know, it's not like they shouldn't always be ready to eat, but you know, people say, well, my dog is counter surfing and, you know, just seems to be hungry all the time. And I really think about, you know, the carbs, is there any, amount of carbohydrate and this includes things like sweet potatoes or squash or and, and I don't care if it's grown in your garden and it's all organic because I hear that too well this is good stuff we are organic like it's still carbohydrate it's still going to spike the blood sugar and I think if that blood sugar is going up and down it's just like if you have a donut in the morning and by mid-morning your blood sugar is dropping and you know you got a headache and you're starving and that's, this is what happens with the dogs. And I think this urgency that people describe a lot of times is because of the, the carb in the diet. It doesn't have to do with the raw diet. They're like, wow, my dog, I'm feeding my dog raw and they're just hungry all the time. And if they're on the right amount, they, they should feel pretty stable. Like my dogs are always ready to eat, but when it's not meal time, you know, they're just hanging out, napping. You know, I don't think they should get that, those blood sugar fluctuations if they're telling the truth and only feeding the raw products. And I think sometimes people, you know, either, either don't want don't to fess up or don't realize that, you know, acorn squash and sweet potatoes and things like that are still carbohydrate and they're still going to cause these blood sugar spikes. Well, and the other issue too, Dr. Jason, that I find is that people think that they've got to adhere to the feeding chart, right? So if you have a dog that is, starts out eating 2% of their best body weight and you find that they're hungry all the time, if their body doesn't look like a sausage from the shoulders to the back, I would say, sure, let's increase it a little bit, you know, a couple of ounces a meal. Um, so don't get um, 
set on that feeding chart, what we always say is look at that body composition and then look and see how your dog is responding, right? The other thing that, that people get confused about, Dr. Jacek, is coconut oil. Coconut oil has always been looked at this miracle food. I don't think um, that coconut oil has anywhere near the nutritional benefits that animal fat does because animal fat is high in vitamin D. And I actually think, you know, we've talked about this vitamin D issue too. I see a lot of dogs that show up low in vitamin D and even, you know, dogs eating raw diets. One of my dogs showed up low, your dog showed up low. Yeah. Where is this coming from? And, you know, there can be individual variances as far as absorption and things, but I think that the fat could be a big part of it. So, you know, dogs don't, um, don't do the skin conversion that people do. You know, people, they say, well, go out, spend some time in the sun and, and um, the sun is going to convert the vitamin uh, D2 in your skin to vitamin D3, which is the metabolically active form. Well, dogs don't do that. Plus they're covered in fur. So they're not getting that sun on their skin anyway. So they have to get it from their diet. So I'm always wondering, well, where, where are we maybe falling a little bit short? And I think, you know, part of it, may be the fat. And and now I encourage people to add fat in to their dog's diets as long as they can tolerate it okay. And you know, trying to see if this is kind of a missing link that that is going to help. But there's this, you know, paranoia about mm-hmm. fat. Fat is not bad. Fat is fat is good. I don't believe that fat causes pancreatitis. I believe pancreatitis, any inflammatory condition, well, all diseases are inflammatory, comes from the carbs, not from, you know, the fat. And I have to introduce it slowly and, and, and use your common sense. So I, I will tell people, you know, yeah, you can rotate in a little coconut oil, but it's not, it, it doesn't have the nutrients. It's, it's fat, it's calories, but it doesn't have that, um, you know, the same nutritional value that the, that the animal fats have. I just think it's much healthier for pets to be feeding things like tallow and lard and um, things like that. I use coconut oil. I like it uh, topically, like for itchy ears and sometimes on the skin. I think, it, I think it can help there. But as far as pure nutrition, yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think it's all that, you know, people think it is. Yeah. And, you know, as things come to light, we might change our position. But so back in the day, people were like, oh, you know, add coconut oil. And even I would say that. But as we've looked at the health uh, side of the dogs, exactly what you're saying is true. Fat, animal fat is where you want to be. Right. Because they're not eating coconuts out in the wild. I mean, you know, dogs are not you know, knocking coconuts down off the trees and breaking them open and eating them. You know? Oh, come on. Come on now. Now, now, now let's, let's talk about being out in the wild because there's another controversial issue that we've heard here lately that a raw diet causes dogs hyperthyroidism. Okay. And, yeah. um, and I think as you and I were talking earlier, you said, you know what? It doesn't make any sense if animals attack each other and they go for the throat and they rip their throats out, um, you know, uh, why aren't we seeing, you know, animals with hyperthyroidism out there in, in the wild? Now we're not testing them, but here's the other thing, Dr. Jacek, we've heard some pretty top 
uh, celebrity vets uh, talk about this, about a raw diet. But, but the truth is, the thyroid is taken out. When, when, even when you're looking at turkey necks or chicken necks, um, any of those kind of necks that people feed, the thyroid is taken out. And when you're looking in the blends, the neck's not even in there. So how, help me understand this. Right. And they, they even said that this one video I watched, they even said just the juice from the blend, you know, you thought out and you know, the juice, you know, comes out. Um, even that could, could have enough um, thyroid hormone in it to cause hyperthyroidism. I'm like, you're, you gotta be kidding me. Cause I, I mean, that was my thought, you know, I'm envisioning, you know, a whole big batch of raw food being blended up, even if they did put the necks in, which you're saying that they didn't, I didn't even know whether they did or not, but even if they did, how much thyroid uh, gland, this, they're talking about the thyroid gland is going to actually show up in each individual serving of that food. It, it would have to be minuscule. Even if they ground up the whole animal, thyroid neck and everything, you're still only going to get a tiny amount of thyroid gland in any serving. So the whole thing just didn't even make any sense. And then, yeah, how do, how do, you know, lions and and tigers and, and wolves, how do they kill their prey? They, they go for the throat and they suffocate them. So if, if that was making all those animals hyperthyroid, I don't think that would be very uh, sustainable in the wild. We'd have a lot of you know, uh, lions and tigers with high blood pressure and retinal detachment and all this stuff and, and cardiomyopathy and all these things that come from hyperthyroidism. And um, I'm, I'm going to guess that that's not what's happening. Well, okay. And here's the other question. Of all the thousands and thousands of dogs who are on a raw diet, certainly my crew who's been on for 20 plus years and your crew who's been on it for 20 plus years, um, or at least uh, their, their age, you know, we've been feeding that long, but why don't they have hyperthyroidism? And yeah. I mean, my dogs have been eating raw, you know, since, you know, Asa's 11 and uh, you've got, how old's your oldest little one? You're like 14. Yeah, just about 14. So yeah, there are whole lives and hyperthyroidism still remains extremely rare in, in dogs. It's much more common in cats. Um, but even on, I don't, I don't even see it being prevalent in cats that are eating raw. Um, you know, to me, it, it, if anything, eating the raw diet helps balance out the endocrine system because we're giving the pets the proper nutrients and the endocrine systems work, you know, appropriately. I think the thing that really, um, you know, messes with the, with the endocrine system is again, the carbohydrates causing inflammation, autoimmune reactions, there's autoimmune thyroid disease and, and vaccines. Vaccines are just you know, a huge culprit there, but no, there's, there's no way um, that I could be convinced that feeding a raw diet is going to contribute to thyroid disease of any, any type. And I, you know, it really, really annoys me when people put this out there because they have a, you know, a reputation and people believe what, you know, when somebody becomes an expert, people tend to believe what they say or they're perceived as an expert. And then people believe what they say and they don't even need any evidence. I'm like, where's the evidence? Where are you getting this information from? You know, they don't talk about that. They just can say it and 
you know, people believe it because these people have that, you know, that expert status. So be careful about where your information comes from. And just like we're always saying, question your veterinarian when you take your dog in um, to, you know, where, where are you getting this information? How do you know that, you know, my dog's sick because it's eating raw and you see stuff on the internet. I don't care who it's by, you know, you, you better be questioning it. All right. On our last podcast, Dr. Jacek, we talked about no sods. Um, so we had a listener, uh, who's very interested in no sods, which I, I think anybody, um, that has really looked at vaccines, um, closely, who's um, heard what we've said, the Supreme Court has stated, all vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. There's got to be a reason why they said that, folks. The question is this, and this is a tricky one, Dr. Jasek, that uh, she said, my question is, how do you get around the rabies vaccine as a state requirement? Because we travel with our dogs, and if they're to nip someone, how can that be handled if we're not up to date on the rabies? That's a tricky one with the no sods. Yeah, it's 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 definitely tricky because you know there's two aspects to you know in doing the rabies. You have the pure immunology. You know, like uh, do how you know is your dog protected against getting the disease? So it's keeping the dog protected against the the disease, and you know you you could do there is a actually the uh lysin which is the um, homeopathic sometimes given after the rabies vaccine to help with side effects it would actually be the no sowed for rabies but it's not it's not going to be considered a legal substitution for the vaccine so like i don't dispense it as that as a substitution for the vaccine i'm going to give people this information but I can't, as a licensed veterinarian, I can't dispense that no soda and say, okay, and then give them a rabies certificate, you know, that because I'd be going against the state regulations and I could get, you know, get in trouble with my license for that. So I don't do that. So it's not, it's not going to be recognized legally and they don't build antibody levels. So if you do a no soda, you aren't going to have antibodies that, that you could measure in a titer from doing the no-sode like you can from a vaccine. Now, you could potentially get herd immunity, um, which means that if your dog is out around a bunch of other dogs that are vaccinated, they sometimes shed those antigens from the vaccine. So your dog could be exposed to those vaccine antigens and actually build an immunity without having to be vaccinated. So that can happen um, in in some individuals. But I think the bottom line is when it comes to the regulations, and especially if there's a dog bite involved, if your dog does not have a current rabies vaccine, they can be uh, taken and quarantined. I mean, that's, that's the way the laws are. And, you know, there's just no way around that. And your average, like, animal control officer isn't going to know what a no-sode is. They're not going to know what a titer is. They're, they're just doing their job and they got their regulations and that's what they have to follow. So if you choose, you know, not to do the conventional rabies vaccine, which there's reasons not to give it because pets can react and can cause inflammation in the body and, and all sorts of different side effects, but you are running that, you know, a little bit of risk of 
you know, tangling with the law if, if you get caught without it, or especially if your dog bites somebody. You know, as, as I study more about vaccines, and actually I'm in a uh, boot camp with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny uh, on vaccines, I'm just so shocked, Dr. Jacek, um, at how much information has been suppressed about vaccines uh, on the human side and, and on the pet side. I, when I look at what you have to do as a licensed veterinarian, right, or a licensed doctor, um, and you see something that is contrary to the narrative, your hands are tied because you could lose your license. I think this is, that must be incredibly frustrating for you. You know, I focus on educating people and, you know, I certainly would not, you know, refuse to work on a pet or treat a pet because they're, you know, not vaccinated like a lot of clinics do. I mean, I, respect people's choices, but, you know, I will tell them, you know, what I just said about, about the rabies and then whatever people decide to do, they decide to do, but they at least know, you know, what they're, what they're setting themselves up for. But I, there are certain lines that, like I said, like I wouldn't cross like doing a no sewed and saying, okay, now your pet has been um, legally vaccinated for rabies and give them a, a rabies certificate. That's a line I wouldn't cross. You know, we could do no sods for things like parvo and distemper. And, you know, I can document that and somebody could go into their groomer or boarding place and say, hey, my pets had no sods. Will you accept no sods? And they may or may not. It's up to the facility, but we could have a little more conversation about that. You know, when it comes to rabies and the, and the regulations, if you want to be quote unquote legal, um, you pretty much, you know, have to do the traditional vaccine. Yeah. Yeah. That's the tough part. And that's, that's, that's the way that I answered, you know, this particular email. I said, look, you, you you're not going to be able to use that as a legal document. Um, and you have to look at your lifestyle, your pet, your beliefs, your risk versus rewards or your pros and cons. It's, it's, it's tough. It's very tough because what, what irritates the fire out of me is that you guys can't, uh, as far as doctors or, or veterinarians, when you have these licenses, you have to go the way of this big pharmaceutical narrative um, or you lose your license. And yet the FDA or um, the pharmaceutical companies will allow toxic ingredients in their vaccines. They will allow toxic ingredients in their food. And I don't know how they look the other way and say that's okay. Right. And then that becomes all those pharmaceuticals and those, you know, quote unquote prescription diets that are, you know, terrible nutritionally are, considered standard of care. Standard of care is a big word in medicine. So like in, you know, in cancer patients, chemotherapy makes pets so sick, just so, so sick, but it's considered standard of care. So what happened to our oath about do no harm? It's like, well, it's okay because that's considered standard of care. It's okay to make them sick. And in fact, I think a lot of dogs die from the side effects of the chemo before they would ever, you know, succumb to the actual cancer, but that's considered standard of care, so that's okay. It's just part of the treatment protocol that that they're going to get sick. Like, how is how is that okay? 
you know, it, it, to me, it's, it's, well, it's highly, it's hypocritical. It's hypocritical that, you know, you can say, oh, feeding raw is, is bad when we see all these pets improve, yet you can pump all these chemicals into them and, and watch them just get, get so sick. And like you said, turn the other way. The other thing about the vaccines too is the, the recommendations. I know here in Colorado, if you dig into the vaccine recommendations, there's been no, there's no independent, um, you know, research or actual, actual lawmaking procedure around these rabies regulations. Pretty much the state says, follow the recommendations of the vaccine company. Well, they're in the business of selling vaccines. They're never going to tell you, oh yeah, you know, do titers, do, you know, so do these other things so that we don't sell as many vaccines. You're never going to hear that. But the state is, their regulations are, are solely based on what the vaccine companies recommend. And they're the ones doing the research. So what, is, what are they going to prove? That we don't need to, you know, give vaccines as much? No, they're going to, because they want to sell, sell more vaccines. So they're going to make sure that, you know, the state is enforcing these regulations. So they keep selling rabies vaccines. Yeah, it's, it's billions, billions of dollars um, that they make in that industry on vaccines. And, and what is, is very frightening, um, I, don't, I don't know if you, if you knew about this, Dr. Jason, but this is a real thing. Did you know that you can, I'm going to divert a little bit over here, but that you can, that, that someone can become a certified contact tracer. Okay, contact tracer, right? So in this whole COVID thing, um, they're hiring people to be a contact tracer. And that's, there's a whole other thing about it, but you guys can look it up. But here's what's really disturbing about that. If they decide that you've come in contact with somebody who has COVID-19, uh, you have to go into quarantine and they're going to take your pets. You cannot be with your pets. Jeez. Because the pets are going to get it and continue to spread it? Is that like... Well, you know what my take on that is because pets make us feel good. Pets are healthy. Pets, you know, pets help us release serotonin. Uh, so let's just take everything away from this person who might have been exposed, who's not showing any symptoms. We're going to take all their family members away. We're going to take their pets away. And we're going to stick them in a house and make them stay there for 14 days. Yeah, that's... yeah. That's crazy. I don't, you know, honestly anymore after all the stuff I've, you know, been hearing about this whole COVID thing, I don't, I don't actually trust any of the numbers that we hear anymore. I don't know. I think these test results can be falsified. You know, I mean, I've heard that there can be contaminated tests. I just, I don't believe we're hearing a, a bit of truth in any of this anymore. Not that, you know, perhaps this virus didn't actually exist, but is this testing even accurate anymore? Are they, are they really giving us true numbers? I, I honestly don't trust any of it anymore. Well, who cares if you have, if you test positive, who cares? I mean, it's, it's again, when we really look at what the CDC and they flip flop all the time and they backpedal and do all this kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it's sort of like this, Dr. Jasek. I think if, if it was a true pandemic, we would all know four or five people who have died from this. You know, when flu season comes, 
don't you know everybody you know has is coughing or they're sniffling or they've got you know yeah it goes through everybody you know oh you know you got the bug you know whatever is going whatever's going around this year and yeah i absolutely i'd know you know just about everybody i know will get the crud at some point or another i was listening to some um I don't know if they were from China, but what, what, where they were these, these scientists the other day that were talking about this and they were just outraged. They were, they, they were outraged at what is happening to our elderly population. They were saying, look, when you take away their family, when you um, take away their pets and you put them in a facility where nobody can visit and they can't get outside to get the vitamin D that we know is very important uh, to our immune system. And they just said, it's criminal. It's criminal what we are doing to our elderly population, not to mention everybody else uh, that, you know, is uh, being affected by this. But you have, your mom is 98 um right or is she 99 mm -hmm. yeah she will be 99 in november so she's almost 99 so where, where my mom lives she's an independent living facility and they haven't had any cases and last week they supposedly had a positive positive covid case and it, you know that we don't of course ever get any information about who it is or whether it was I, i'm I'm assuming it was probably a staff member because they've got, you know, young people in and out of there all the time. They got a high turnover, you know, people that are delivering meals and, and stuff like that. You know, there's people are changing all the time and who knows where they're going or where they've been, but you know, we don't know, but yeah, then they do this big, you know, shutdown again. And they had finally, you know, started allowing some visitors. And my mom was so excited because her, she's going to have, you know, some friends were going to be able to come visit her again. And now everything's shut down again. And that's like, that's devastating. It is devastating for, you know, for people that, you know, they just have to sit in their rooms and be, and be isolated like that. That, that that's not healthy. Well, it's not healthy for anybody, even if you don't have coronavirus, right? So anybody that, what do we say to people if they are depressed or they're, you know, uh, having, you know, some tough times? We're saying, get outside, get some sunshine, walk around, be around your friends, don't isolate, right? Right, exactly. This is just common sense um, when we're talking about health. And, um, you know, take your vitamin C. I heard uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. He was talking about how much vitamin C you could take. And he said, look, take as much vitamin C until your stomach <laughs> hurts and then don't take it. Uh, and then back off of it. Vitamin D, get outside. Um, you know, Dr. Oz, he had said, get outside, lay naked or expose as much of your body as you can uh, for at least 10 minutes right? And uh, get that vitamin D in your body. And then zinc. I mean, take zinc. I mean, come on, come on and eat right. Don't eat crappy foods. Don't eat, you know, high sugary foods. Don't drink a lot of alcohol. Don't smoke. I mean, these are just basic ways to stay healthy. Um, we do this for our pets, those people who are listening to this podcast. So let's let our pets' lives um, wake us up to our own lives. Yeah, you never hear about, um, 
you know, taking vitamin D, it's been actually pretty well proven that if you take vitamin D and zinc and, you know, vitamin C and uh, keep like selenium, you know, some of these basic nutrients that your, your body was going to have a, such an immune system. It's, you're not, COVID isn't even going to be an issue for you, but they don't talk about that because they're, you know, they're pushing the vaccine agenda. So they keep people afraid of this virus and, you know, so that they can make sure that people are lining up wanting the, wanting the vaccine. You know, I have not talked to a single person in my circles that is going to take this vaccine that will just go voluntarily take it. Everybody I have talked to, like my clients, well, my family probably would, I don't even talk to them about this stuff. Um, but everybody else I've talked to, like, no way am I going to take this warp speed vaccine that hasn't even been, been tested, you know, outside of a few, you know, volunteers. Why would you, why on earth would you volunteer to, to be in a vaccine study, an untested vaccine, and you're going to be a guinea pig? That's just nuts. The problem with the vaccine that they are saying um, is that it will increase the PEG antibodies. We already have a high level of these antibodies in our system because of the environment that we are in. And that is going to cause some real damage. Um, so there's some real things that are coming out about these vaccines that people really do need to know about. Um, I don't think that, I certainly don't want something being injected into my body that is going to cause me great, great harm. And you're not going to be able to make a good decision unless you really know uh, all of these different things. And I think that the biggest thing that's come out of all of this, Dr. Jasek, is that people are now starting to realize that there has never been a vaccine that has been tested against a placebo. So if you're testing a vaccine against another vaccine that has side effects, then you can sort of cancel out those side effects, right? You say, well, it, it, let's say, um, let's just say a rabies vaccine, okay? Let's say that um, a rabies vaccine, you know that it's gonna cause some autoimmune, it can cause some neurological issues, right? And we test another vaccine and we say, well, it's not any more harmful, so it's safe. Because, okay, yeah, that one does cause autoimmune, that does cause um, neurological problems, but it's the same. So it's not any worse, so it's a safe vaccine. That's kind of what they're doing. And that's what they've been doing. And I think what, what is coming to light is that no, no test, this is documented, okay, no tests have been performed against a placebo. No test have been performed that said, here's a vaccinated group, here's a non-vaccinated group, whether it's dogs or whether it's people. And what is the difference there? And so this is what's really, really coming to light. Now, are we going to be able to do anything about it? I don't know. That's the scary part. That is the very, very scary part. There are lawsuits being filed against the FDA right now, against the CDC, but I don't know. That's a huge, huge industry that is not going to go down easy. No, they're very, they're very powerful and they, you know, they, they have the money, um, you know, to push, to push, 
push their agendas and to silence people that you know would would speak out against them but i think this is such an important point that people don't realize in both pets and people these vaccines are not adequately tested and you know what the companies don't care they can get sued and and have to pay a couple billion dollars well they've made 10 times that much on, on the initial you know in this is for vaccines and other pharmaceuticals they make so much money that that fine is a cost of doing business for them they it's a slap on the wrist and they just keep going because they make so much money pushing this stuff out and the exact same thing could happen with the coronavirus they get a vaccine pushed out there and they're going to push so many doses out there and they're going to make billions of dollars. If it gets recalled, they don't care. They've already made their money. And, and I think the same thing happens in, in pets. I've seen, you know, so many new, you know, pharmaceuticals and vaccines come on the market and they're recalled within the first couple of years because they've, they've caused all these side effects, but the companies don't care. And I've always felt like, gosh, I would never use a brand new drug or vaccine of any kind on my patients, you know, until it's been out for a couple of years and like, yeah, then let's see if it's still on the market and it's actually showing some benefit. Then we can, you know, we can talk about it. I, I use, I'm using conventional medications. I'm using ones that have been around for a long time. You know, if I got a, you know, itchy dog and we just, boy, we've got to, give this poor dog some relief because they're, you know, up all night and we don't know what's going on, but we got to give them some temporary relief. I'm going to go with good old prednisone. I'm not going to go with Apoquil or Cytopoint or any of these newer medications that we don't know the long-term effects of, of them. They, they really, they really make me nervous, but if I'm, if I'm using something like prednisone, I know exactly, you know, what I'm doing. I know what the effects are on the body. I know how to monitor it. And, you know, it's usually get them on and then wean them off pretty quick. But I'm, I'm using those medications that have been around for as long as I've been practicing. And that's, that's pretty long time at this point. Yeah. And, you know, what's, what's amazing is that people really don't know these studies. So, or how long a study should be. So, for instance, in the hepatitis B vaccine that, you know, you give kids, right? And our daughter just had a baby and she opted out of that hepatitis B, thank goodness. That study is only for five days. So basically, they're only looking at adverse effects five days after you give the hepatitis B shot. Now, what they're finding is that the adverse effects are occurring at two and a half years of age. So if you stop a study after five days, yeah. It's perfectly safe because we haven't seen anything because we're not looking. Mm -hmm. Right. How convenient, right? <laughs> Stop and, looking for problems and you don't find any. Right. But Botox, something like that, they have watched that to see what the effects are for, you know, five years. What are the effects five years after you've had that injected into your body or six years or something along that line? But five days, Dr. Tracy, come on, five days. And they stopped yeah. the study. Um, but what I wanted to say real quick about this, about this PEG, right? So it's it's the it, it's this vaccine that's being developed by Moderna. Moderna's uh, version of the vaccine that is championed by Dr. Anthony Fauci, uh, which was also funded with five hundred million dollars of our money, taxpayer dollars. Um, they Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. This this vaccine contains these PEGs and it's a molecule 
which approximately 72% of us have antibodies. Um, and 8% of the population has highly elevated levels of these PEG antibodies. Now, people who have pre-existing PEG antibodies could experience life-threatening anaphylaxis if injected with this vaccine that contains mm. these PEG substances that is being produced by um, Moderna. So these are the things that uh, I think that you're not going to hear on CNN. You're probably not going to hear on Fox. You've really got to look at who are your top people that have been fighting for the safety of our children uh, for years and years and years. And, and one of those is the Children's Health Defense that will give you lots of information to help you make the right decision for yourself. All right, Dr. Jasek, um, you guys, listen. You can get a phone consult with Dr. Jasek, right? We can talk about your treats. <laughs> we can talk about your no-sodes. Reach out to Dr. Jasek. That's A-H-A-Vet.com. Apple Henry, AppleVet.com. If you'd like to start your uh, dog on a species-appropriate diet, come on over to Raw Dog Food and Company, where your pet's health is our business. And we're friends. Don't let friends feed kibble. All right, Dr. Jay-Z, we'll see you next week. Oh, snap. Find out how you can start your dog on the road to health and longevity. Go to rawdogfoodandcompany.com, where friends don't let friends feed kibble and where your pet's health is our business. Just snap.